Okay, welcome back, everybody. Howdy doody. Uh, as you know, I'm Zach. And I am Chris. Or as you don't know, whatever. Uh, this is Inner Name Here. Uh, I'm going to enter a name here. <clears throat> a podcast where we find out about interesting people, places, things. Yeah. We, we each... all find out together. <laughs> right. <clears throat> yeah, we bring a name the other one doesn't know about. Right. And we try to surprise them, really. Yeah. I'm, oh, I like to get the twist in, but I don't think I'm real good at the, the twist. twist. Some of them have more twists than others. Yeah. I usually know. give it away right at the beginning. And then, like, this one's about a murder. <laughs> the uh, end. And then... <laughs> <laughs> anyway. um, yeah, so uh, another Friday's in the books for everybody. Hope everybody's had a good week. Yeah, um, or whenever you're listening to this. But yeah. But hope you're having a good week. I hope all your days are good. <clears throat> and all your nights too. <laughs> um so oh boy. Yeah, we've got uh some stuff we're gonna talk about today. Do we? Before we get started on what our names <clears throat> are. Um We're off to a good start. Yeah. Um make sure you hit us up with an email if you got any ideas for us to talk about something or something you'd be interested in. We might get to it. You know. <laughs> we so, might. Well, you know, if we get an email this week. We might have to wait three weeks or something before we get to it. I've got stuff planned ahead of time, you know. Oh, do you have a calendar? <clears throat> yeah, I'm set up for the next about 650 episodes. So. I did just buy one. <laughs> did you? You have one in your phone. Like, well, I'm going to start trying to, uh, you know, plan out my topics. Oh, uh, okay. So that I know, you know. See, what's we're getting going better. On. Yeah. <laughs> we think we're getting better. We hope you think so too. Let it's, us know. Yeah, I'm like, I've got all this homework to Let do. Let us know. Intername here podcast <laughs> at Gmail. You know. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, hit us up. Intername here on Facebook. Yep. And uh, Intername here podcast on uh, whatever that other one is. What Instagram. is that other one? Yeah, that one. One of the ones that I'm not <laughs> regularly banned on. <clears throat> um, uh, it's because you're not regularly using it. <laughs> not as much. as, And I don't talk as much shit on it. So. Uh, um, <clears throat> I saw this week that this woman named Hilda Bakey Bassey. Bakai, B-A-C-I is her last name. Oh, speaking of She's languages. Nigerian, and okay. she set a new world record. We like to talk about world records. Yeah. <clears throat> she has to wait for a confirmation, but she's a 27-year-old Nigerian chef, and she cooked for 87 hours and 46, min- 46 minutes straight. 87 hours and 46 minutes. Straight, yeah. Wow. Um, huh. And I guess it was on a... Standing... AI. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it looks like she was cheered on by observers online wow. and other people that were watching, um, I guess besides observers, other people that were watching. <laughs> observers and, and others. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she cooked 110 different meals during that time. Which wow. I, I, I'm assuming if she's a chef, they're probably pretty good meals yeah i'm gonna so i'm thinking those, 87 hours i could cook a lot more than 110 maybe, meals but maybe I mean, the I, others are like people eat, buying the food and eating it maybe, maybe but three three four minutes for ramen that's one meal <laughs> so i mean you know i could do a lot more <laughs> just cooking ramen for 87 uh, hours so i mean you know um yeah so shout out to hilda uh that's a long time to be doing it says she cooked mostly nigerian foods like jollof rice and nakara uh, which is a Nigerian meal made of mashed beans. Oh. Um, yeah, so yeah. pretty interesting. 87 hours. That's a long time. That's at least three or four days. 
<laughs> that's that's three and a over half three days. days. Yeah, three and a half yeah, days. Yeah. Gosh, we're showing off our math skills. We're getting ready to start our new yeah, podcast, pretty... Intermath Here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Inter Number Here. Yeah, I'll get to some math later on in my right. story. So you know, that's cool. <laughs> well, I saw this story. Um, the headline is: Church members hoping whoever stole truckload of organ pipes will repent. Shipment can be recovered. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. they stole all the pipes for like a big pipe organ. Yeah, in Memphis, Tennessee, it says members of a Tennessee church are hoping and praying that whoever stole a moving truck over the weekend will repent after finding what's inside, old organ pipes, and lots of them. They're not not going to repent on it, sorry. Yeah, probably not. But yeah, they had like 2,000 organ pipes that they were sending uh, to get like restored for the right. organ in the church. Yeah, they, they have to like, like be reshaped every once in yeah, a while and cleaned so. out and... Essentially useless for anything else. Scrap metal, baby. You know, I think even in here it said like uh, they were saying like yeah, not really what they're made of. Like it wouldn't be. Worth oh, really? Anything. Yeah. Huh. Like, so. I would think that they'd be made out of. I mean, I'm not saying they'd be made out of like cast iron, but right. Yeah. yeah. But if you got no money and you scrap them and you get a hundred bucks, something. Yeah. What do you care how much it costs the church, right? <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, maybe people are on the lookout yeah. for some pipe organs. Tots and pears in Memphis. Tots and pears in Memphis for the tots and pears. Yeah, I don't know. What you never that heard is. that? No. Instead of thoughts and prayers, tots and oh. pears. <laughs> um. Yeah. Don't uh, steal. Don't steal. We're talking about that first and yeah, foremost. Definitely but don't steal. They though. stole the truck because they wanted the truck, probably. Probably. They didn't want to start a moving company. They're probably <laughs> scrapping it out or selling off the catalytic converter or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? And then just got lucky with all the uh, organ yeah, Extra scrap metal. <laughs> you know, it pays by the pound. I watch plenty of uh, scrapping videos on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you might be interested in that. Yeah. I love yeah. I love this. Uh, <laughs> shout out to, if you ever want to watch something that's weirdly satisfying, Mike the Scavenger on YouTube Shout out to him. I love his videos. It's just some guy that like wears a GoPro <laughs> on his head, yeah, and dumpster dives and like finds. You would be just watch one of them, or any random one. You would just be amazed <laughs> and pissed off at how much stuff this guy will find. Oh yeah, and just this one. He's in Houston. He's just very one guy. entertaining. I mean, obviously edited, but Truck very loads. entertaining. His editing is great. Does a lot of kung fu sounds. He does his own music. He's yeah. he's really entertaining. But I mean, he does his own kung fu. Yeah, it's one of the highlights. <laughs> it's great. He punches <laughs> stuff all the time and kicks it, and it's always like whoosh, 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 whoosh. pow. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mike the Scavenger on YouTube. Check him out. It's great. It, it's it's amazing to watch. It so is outside it's, like some dumpster, and he'll pull out five hundred lights. Right, and they'll go to an old GameStop and find a thousand <laughs> video games that they just tossed in the trash. <laughs> Um, fascinating yeah, stuff yeah it it is oddly satisfying <laughs> right I, um, think I, was, I said fulfilling earlier fulfilling like fulfilling because he's so positive yeah uh speaking of positive this guy that's weird that you said that because this guy seemed pretty positive about it <laughs> um it's a guy from san diego <laughs> um randy williams aka ramblin randy oh boy Ramblin' Randy, who's also a DJ on a radio station out in San Diego, and he's called uh, R-Dub. 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 Ramblin' Randy. He uh, just reached his, Ramblin' Randy, reached his goal of visiting every country in the world this past week when he took a tour of Turkmenistan. 
Well, then I think he deserves to be called Ramblin' yeah. Randy. Um, wow. It was it, This one took a lot longer because Turkmenistan has been closed for four years because of, I guess, for COVID and stuff. Okay. So it's hard to get in there. Um, you can only get to visit through an approved tour company is what he was saying. Hmm. Um, the trip allowed Williams, a local DJ, radio DJ known as R-Dub, um, to f- complete the project he had started a decade earlier. So he's been working on this for a decade. I'm impressed that it only took him 10 yeah. years, actually. Um, it wasn't the only... Turkmenistan wasn't the only place to face lengthy delays, however. Um, he said that when he went to vit- visited Syria last month that he was only the second tourist to be allowed in the country since the start of COVID-19. Hmm. Um so, but he's been to every country observed by the United Nations, as well as the two observer states, which are Palestine and Vatican City. And he's also wow. been to Kosovo, Western Sahara, and Taiwan, which are disputed territories. So, <laughs> crazy! Wow! Yeah. And uh, he now they said he's gonna he's got his own country. He just bought eleven acres near the Ceylon Sea, <laughs> and. Uh, he says he's calling it Slow Jamistan. Slow Jamistan? Yeah, and he says, it's my country, I'm the Sultan. So, <laughs> he's got his own the People's Republic of Slow Jamistan. Slow Jamistan, I like it. So he said, like well, it, when you actually. run out of countries, you got to make your own. So I bring you the People's Republic of Slow Jamistan. Slow Jamistan. Ridiculous. Stan. DJ Rat. What was it? D- R-Dub. R-Dub DJ Rat. Rand- Randy <laughs> Williams. Rambling Randy. Oh, that's R-Dub. Randy yeah. Williams. Yeah. yeah. Rambling Funny. Randy Williams. San Diego man. Wow. That's pretty crazy, though. It That's was a lot of traveling. Not what I was expecting. But, but I mean, is that just like he just cuts a corner off of Italy and it's like, I've been to Italy. You know, like he's driving <laughs> on the highway right. that just cuts a little corner out. Gosh. You know, I mean, how does he have time to do all the stuff? Yeah. And pay for it and stuff, you know? I guess maybe the radio station is sending him on the trip. Yeah, I guess. And I mean, does he just do his show from on the road or something? I mean, I guess I mean, it's definitely the kind of job that can be a, you know, Someone on, on fills a in traveling worker. I mean, yeah, yeah, you could, you know, phone I mean, it in, so to speak. Yeah, you just go, and next you're gonna hear Sublime, you know, <laughs> I mean, like they, the computer just pushes play. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, speaking of traveling, I just just now looked at this headline right here. This is fun. Colorado man tries to trade places with dog to avoid DUI arrest. <laughs> Let's see what's going on here. Springfield, Colorado. A driver who was pulled over for speeding tried to switch places with his dog to avoid arrest, police in Colorado said. An officer watched him maneuvering inside the car before he got out on the passenger side on Saturday night in Springfield, a town of <clears throat> a town of about 1,300 people on the state's eastern plains. Uh, the man said he was not behind the wheel and clearly showed signs of being drunk, police said. He ran from the officer when asked about how much he had to drink and was caught within about 20 yards, police said. <laughs> ah. <laughs> the cop will never figure that out. Right, so yeah, traveling. Rambling Randy. <laughs> that was not rambling, Randy. No. Yeah, he sounds a little more responsible you have to than be, that. I mean, you have to be pretty drunk to like think that <laughs> the dog driving is going to be passable. Yeah, that you might. I guess you could be like, hey, look, the, the reason the driving was so bad, the dog was driving. <laughs> you know? Teaching the dog to drive. What do you expect? He's not good with a manual. Yeah. 
Like, I've been drinking. <laughs> yeah. I can't drive myself. I have to let the dog. I guess it's like the Amish with their horses. It's my support you know, animal. They get in the carriage, and the horse supposedly knows how to get back home. And so, like, the <laughs> Amish will get, like, maybe out on the highways, like, with their horses, and they'll be passed out in their carriage. Oh, yeah, because the horse knows where it's yeah. going. Yeah. <laughs> Which is illegal, too, by the way, because you have to be in charge. Like, you have to be in control of the oh, horse. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. And it's really dangerous, you know. But. Oh. Have we talked about that before? I feel like that's uh, we're covering old ground. Maybe. I mean, you know, we'll talk about the Amish a lot, I'm sure. <laughs> in- they're an interesting people. Oh. Um, yeah. So, good for that guy. I guess, yeah. he, I guess he was arrested and charged. Wow. I would think, right? <laughs> yeah, is yeah, I don't they, remember. Did, no, did, did, is that what they said about this guy? Did it say? Oh, he was oh, arrested on suspicion of charges <clears throat> of DUI and, I, and yeah, let's see. After being taken to the hospital, after being taken to the hospital to be checked out, the man was arrested on. Oh yeah, you were looking at the same thing. <laughs> yes, suspicion of charges, including driving under the influence of alcohol and/or drugs and driving while a while ability impaired, as well as for previous warrants for his arrest. It's not it's poorly written. The, actually, the warrants were for the dog. Yeah, I read it as it was written. It had been funny if he had an ID, but like he showed the ID and it was a picture of the dog. Of the on dog. The ID. With his name and everything. you got to work harder on that, buddy. Did it say that guy's name? Uh, his nah. alleged name? It never said his name oh, okay. anywhere. All right, well, yeah. don't drive drunk. Let your dog do it. And only bigger dogs. I mean, little dogs, I can't reach the pedals. Right. So like labs, labs and bigger. Yeah, you're better, best off with a Great Dane that gets the big long legs. Yeah, like a Irish Mastiff or something. Yeah, big. something big. Saint Bernard. There you go. Shave yeah, it Cujo. to make it look like a a hipster. Yeah. Like so, it's got like a beard and you know shag. Yeah, there you go. In all the right places. Well, speaking of shag, this is a picture of this guy, um, Joseph Dituri. Uh, this was the 15th of May, so it's already been like another five days, four days. Uh, he just spent his 74th day in Jules's Undersea Lodge, situated at the bottom of a 30-foot deep lagoon in Key Largo, Florida. Yeah. He, so he's lived underwater for 74 days. That's crazy. He's yes, trying to go for pictures. 100, um, which would be June 9th. And he's doing this for science, I guess. He's a biologist. Huh. The previous record was 73 days, 2 hours, and 34 minutes at the same spot in 2014 by two Tennessee professors, Bruce Cantrell and Jessica Fain. Um, so other people had done this. Yeah. this I guess this is just some sort of research facility that is underwater, and then they just go under there and do studies. And probably a lot of it has to do with like the effects of living underwater. He's partially paying for it, That's... but I mean, it's not like he's—he's he's like it's not like he's a mile deep either. I mean, right? Yeah, it's a, more so, I guess, the time being alone there, which would some people would be fine with, but you know. Like, yeah, I'm sure it ha- NASA might have something to do with some of the studies that are well, going it could on. Could be, it. yeah. I mean, because yeah. if you go to the NASA facilities, the they—they um, they have like the world's biggest pool there, and it's so big they have a replica well it used to be the space shuttle i don't know what they use in there now but it was a replica of the space shuttle that was underwater huh complete everything was the same and it was basically to make it to where you were used to floating around and pushing buttons and stuff because underwater and space give you the same 
Yeah, the right. resistance or whatever. So crazy. So shout out to Joseph Deturi. Deturi. He looks like he's. He, he looks like he's just watching like a Jimmy Buffett concert. He's kind of a happy water. old hippie yeah. looking dude. Don't have to worry about any sort of running into anybody, you know, underwater. <laughs> yeah, I really like that first picture of him in the USA Today. Or, yeah. No, I'm or sorry, the just the today.com article oh, yeah. I saw here. There's it's a just, picture he's of looking out of the, looks yeah, like the large leaves under the sea. Yeah, it says the large, yeah, that's a, and it has all the mossy crap on the outside there mossy crap that's the, the scientific crap. name actually yeah, yeah we're, so, we're smart here mossy um, crap good yeah. one i got an <clears throat> i got another bear story uh-oh another yeah. one I, I came ill prepared for my news story so i just saw this one too but a uh, bear in a tree holds michigan city in suspense for hours on mother's day a 355 350 pound bear was in a tree for hours which god it looks kind of big to me <laughs> a 350 pound bear yeah yeah that's a 350 pretty... pound bear was in a tree for hours watched by dozens of people before it fell asleep and dropped onto mattresses below <laughs> like it would do in nature it's like the best block party ever annette anderson said what happens to a bear that gets into a tree in nature does it just fall asleep and fall onto mattresses there I mean, yeah do bears sleep in trees sometimes i don't know i would think so i know they did in jungle book <laughs> I mean, I, I know they climb trees. Yeah, yeah. So maybe they do get up in trees and but, fall asleep. I mean, <laughs> the drama in Traverse City began when wildlife experts responded to a morning call about a bear in a leafy tree. They fired at least four tranquilizer darts into his butt. The bear snoozed on a thick limb before finally dropping to the ground by early afternoon Sunday. Well, there's the answer. That's why he was asleep. Uh, Ashley Walter hauled mattresses from her house to soften the fall. Spectators sitting on lawns or in chair, chairs held their phones up to take pictures and video. America. <laughs> Jeez. The bear was transferred on a tarp to a cylindrical bear trap after his vital signs and airway were checked. Next stop, a long drive and release in a wooded area, probably 50 to 60 miles at minimum. <laughs> Into a neighborhood he doesn't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no friends. Uh, Whole new terrain. Yeah, bear's not going to be happy. No. So, yeah, that's a Four fun tranquilizers one. up into his butt. Yeah. yeah. No wonder he's asleep in a tree. <laughs> I guess you sleep anywhere at that point, right? <laughs> right. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, but you just imagine all the people watching it like it's a TV show. Like, oh, man. That? Yeah. Where was that? Traverse City, Michigan? Is oh, it was Michigan. Okay. Yeah, I think it was Michigan. Let me go back. I guess if it was in Florida, it would have been <laughs> something different, you know? I keep moving away from the microphone over here. Um, yeah, Michigan, the, Traverse Michigan. City, Michigan. 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 That's the female version of Michigan. 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 <laughs> Michigan. That's for the ladies. I didn't get it at first. Huh. How about that? Well, was that where the there was a kid that shot... Somebody was trying to kidnap his sister with a slingshot. What? And I think that was in Michigan. Wow, I don't know that I've um, heard that story. Yeah, this kid was to... uh, outside playing with his sister. <laughs> and uh, somebody, it... it's a Michigan teen, yeah. He's protecting his sister. Let's see if my, we have trouble with the computer sometimes on this. This is great. There it is. Um there's a picture of him holding the slingshot. Like, this is how I did it. <laughs> uh, he's a teenager. Uh, he used a slingshot 
to ward off a kidnapper of his sister. Uh, said he grabbed anything I could to save her. I just felt like I was scared and I had like something to do because if I didn't grab it, she would have been taken away or more or more worse. Is what Owen Burns <laughs> said. More worse. Um, this is what he told the CNN this morning's Poppy Harlow on Wednesday. Hmm. Uh, his eight-year-old sister was quote mushroom hunting. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, in the backyard, when a man emerged from the woods, connected to the backyard, grabbed her and placed his hand over her mouth in an attempt to pull her into the woods. Owen spot the man, the attack from inside his home and used his slingshot to hit the attempted bur- bur- uh, kidnapper twice. I almost said burglar, but <laughs> yeah. I guess he was burgling children. Yeah, I mean, essentially. Um, I had to grab a rock <laughs> in there and a marble right next to it, so I grabbed it and put it in and put it in here, and I just shoot it. Uh, <laughs> the kidnapper reeled from being struck with a slingshot, allowing the young girl to wrangle her way out of the, his grasp and run back inside the home. Wow. Uh, the kidnapper then fled into the woods, taking a well-used trail used by the community. Uh, they later took the suspect, who was 17, into custody after he was spotted in the parking lot of Big Lots. <laughs> Somehow this story just all makes sense when you hear like where oh, they find them. There's a Big man. Lots there. you know. Uh, the sister is fine. She's just a little startled, a little bit still, they said. Huh. Um, yeah. The mother That's only craziest. found out after the incident when she received a call after work calling her son very brave. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, that's impressive, actually. His dad said he's shot Nerf guns and BBs his whole life and <laughs> says he's a good shot. He always has been. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, that actually. Yeah, yeah, I mean. I mean, to have the wherewithal to even like think about that. But, I mean, right. I'm, I, I would love to see – I mean, you won't see the mugshot because it was a minor that did it. Right. I'd love to see where he nailed this kid with <laughs> yeah, the marble. Because this isn't like a stick slingshot. This yeah, is it's one like of those, a real slingshot. This is one of those – what do they call it? The wrist rocket. Yeah, yeah. Like, that thing will shoot a rocket like 100 mm-hmm. miles an hour. So. Yeah, it has like a little like thing that supports itself against yeah, your arm. Like it's, yeah, like it's cradled into your arm <laughs> yeah, the right way. Yeah, this kid yeah. looks like he loves to shoot shit with a oh. slingshot. So good for him. Yeah, Shout yeah out those Owen. slingshots are fun to shoot. Owen Burns. Owen Burns. <laughs> that yeah. sounds like a name of a, something that would hurt. Oh, I got Owen a, Burns. I got an Owen's burn. Yeah, my Owen, Owen Burns. Burns. Owen Burns. I guess anybody with the last name Burns. I guess. If you have the last name Burns, email us. Yeah. <laughs> Like John Burns, is that somebody? I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Nope, that's not a name that I exists. I picked the name John. <laughs> that's the most yeah, uncommon they, name on earth. Yeah, because I don't know anyone named Muhammad John. Burns is a very common, <laughs> Muhammad's a very common name, but probably not as, not Muhammad as Burns. Burns yeah, is not. yeah. There may be one out there, but only one. If you're out there and listening, though, that would be amazing. Send us an email. If, and if, your name here. If your name's Muhammad <laughs> name Burns. <laughs> Can't even get it We out. want you as a guest, for sure. <laughs> you have a story to tell, and we want to hear it. Oh, Lord. Muhammad Burns, hit yeah. us up. Internamehearepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're shouting that, that one out a lot. <laughs> um, I've got one more. All right. <clears throat> uh, German surgeon fired after getting hospital cleaner to assist amputation. <laughs> I did read this one earlier, actually. Yeah, this uh, surgeon, I guess, like, he had <clears throat> said, okay, I'm going to do this surgery at this time, not realizing, like, well, staffing-wise, that wasn't going to be possible because there was going to be nobody in the operating room. But I guess decided to go with it anyway. 
and like you know mid surgery needed somebody to like hold things and hand him things and so hold, hold the guy down right. he was amputating yeah so got the hospital cleaner to to like do this for him and he got caught because the uh hospital director like saw the cleaner in the like the um surgery <laughs> ward with him and was like what the hell is going on here <laughs> he just sees the janitor he sees the janitor in the operating yeah, room yeah like and, and what, like, did they, what were they amputating? A toe, I think, is what it was? I think it was a toe. Yeah, it was a toe. Isn't that crazy? And this was what? Florida, Germany? Let's see. The town Florida, of, the Berlin town of, is what this is. The town says. of Florida, Germany? Officials at a hospital in western Germany have expressed regret after it emerged that one of their surgeons got a cleaner to assist in a toe amputation. Yep. Let's see here. Wow. The hospital's chief executive, Norbert Pfeiffer, said the surgeon wrongly decided to go ahead with the routine procedure, even though no qualified assistant was available. So, yeah. Well, if it ended up fine, isn't now the cleaner a qualified assistant? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I mean, I guess technically no. But, I, I mean, mean, I understand I you have to go to school. Know. Hey, hand me that thing right there. If <laughs> right? That's, I mean, even if you're like, hand me the scalpel, and he's like, what? And I you're guess like, that right there. Hand it to me. I guess it's just the whole... Uh, I get it. The nature of the beast, yeah. I get Legally. It. Such socialized medicine is just <laughs> yeah, ruining Germany. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. But I, yeah, I guess it does say the patient who had received a local anesthetic became restless. The, <clears throat> after he became restless, the doctor asked a nearby cleaner to hold the man's leg and pass surgical instruments. <laughs> He's holding it down so, like they're yeah. doing like a Civil War so, amputation. <laughs> right. He is actually <laughs> holding the guy down. <laughs> well, they didn't. If, if nobody else was working, they didn't have an anesthesiologist. Right, so, like, right. They couldn't even put the guy to sleep. <laughs> But now the cleaner has moved. He's, he was Mr. Clean. Now he's Dr. Clean. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Dr. Clean. Wow. He can grow a little hair back. <laughs> just that one yeah. little tuft on the front, like uh, right, the whatever little... that actor was, Rob Corddry. <laughs> yeah. Has that one yeah. spot of hair on his forehead. Uh, wow. Well, yeah. Uh, if you're going to do surgery, you know, do it with a license. Do it with a license. Yeah, yeah for real. Or, I mean, if you're going to do surgery with people, make sure they are also licensed to be there <laughs> right. with you. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah cool. Yeah, that was key in that story. Um, all right. So, I think last week I went first, right? I got you right Excuse when you were me. drinking. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Chris in here chugging some flavor of some seltzer. Seltzer water. I got some uh, <clears throat> lemon lime going on here. Uh, every week's a different flavor. <laughs> it's that's our new uh mini episode interflavor here yeah we're gonna have a bunch of them like every day of the week three times a day oh that often <laughs> we're gonna run out eventually right have to create new flavors uh, so but yeah i think i am first this week all right <clears throat> well, what do you got um, who you got where i you got, got uh i got a guy named um bernhard tita the second and uh better known as bernie tita and um, he was born in 1958 in Tyler, Texas, to Bernhard Bernard Teed the first. How do you spell <laughs> I'm that guessing last he name? was junior. Tida, I'm sorry, T I E D E. All yeah, right, Tida. Um, <clears throat> he was born 1958. Um, his mother would die when he was only two. After Bernie's mother died, his father felt very guilty and would drink heavily for the rest of his life. This is how I'm starting my story. We'll get to what, what's going on soon. <laughs> All right. Um, even though his dad would marry just three years later. Um, but anyway, his father would eventually die when Bernie was 15. So, oh, wow. Like, yeah, he uh, did have a sister, so he was kind of left to take care of his sister. 
Um, <clears throat> but when his dad was alive, he had worked at um, a bunch of different colleges throughout. But uh, before his death, had worked at Kilgore College in Kilgore, Texas, but also served as a professor of music and a choral director of McMurray College in Abilene. He also directed the McMurray Chanters, a choral ensemble of McMurray College. So he was really into... The dad was? Yeah, the dad was, oh, yeah. Okay. And so uh, we'll find out in a little bit that um, he passed it along to his son. So Bernie was like very much into the, the musical and drama realm as well. But... um. He was also the choral director at his church, the music, a music director, and a vocal performer. So just like uh, right. Bernie is going to turn out to be, he was kind of, a, I guess, the hit of the party, you know? Okay. All <laughs> like right. he could do it all. Um, <clears throat> but Bernie, after his dad died, in order to help support himself and his sister, uh, he took a job at an Abilene funeral home. This is in Texas again. So Abilene, Texas funeral home doing yard work and eventually helping with actual funerals. Bernie would graduate from Cooper High School in 1976 and get his degree in mortuary science at, Mac at McNeese State in Louisiana. Um, <clears throat> so he would eventually, from there, uh, he, he would worked at a funeral home there at McNeese State, but he would get a job back in Texas um, at Carthage Funeral Home, and he became its director in 1985. Carnage Funeral Home? Carthage. Oh, Carthage, sorry. <laughs> That'd be much yeah, better if it was Carthage. Right? But... <clears throat> Whew, excuse me. Getting choked up over here. Uh, Bernie's getting his goose in a gander. Is that what? No, that's wrong. Whatever. Getting his <laughs> goose in a gander. <laughs> we'll try again later. All right. And so this is from a little article about Bernie Tita. Um, he received an associate's degree in mortuary science from McNeese State University in Lake Charles, Louisiana, worked at a funeral home in town, and in 1985 came to work in Carthage, living in a small apartment just behind the Hawthorne Funeral Home. He was probably the most qualified young man I've ever seen, says Lipsy, the director of the Carthage Funeral Home. He waited well on the families, he would sing solos behind the screen during the funeral, and he was a darn good embalmer. He had a talent of making the hair of the, of the deceased look really natural. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so uh, the town of Carthage, um, I guess, historically got rich on oil. So it's uh, kind of a rich oil town, very small town. I uh, somehow failed to put it in my notes, but I think it only had like 6,500 people or something okay. like that. Okay, all right. Um, so Bernie quickly became very well-liked in Carthage because, like his dad, he was just kind of a performer. Um, he was uh, <clears throat> very popular amongst its citizens, especially the older widows. Oh, right? all right. Go, Bernie. Let's go. Uh, I'm going to read some more from this article. But my link wouldn't work. <laughs> well, yeah, didn't have it ready. Sorry, Blame folks. Xfinity. Yeah. Definitely not a sponsor. <clears throat> <laughs> so, despite the questions about Bernie's personal life, this is uh, this paragraph comes right after um, you find out the town questions whether or not Bernie is a gay man because he's definitely a very effeminate man. Okay. And so, uh, despite the questions about Bernie's personal life, Carthage's citizens couldn't help but take a shine to him. Bernie clearly loved the small-town life of East Texas. At First United Methodist, he was the tenor soloist in the choir. He taught Sunday school, and sometimes when the minister was sick or on vacation, he gave the sermon. Let me tell you, he was doggone better than the paid preacher, one elderly member says. Hmm. Bernie got involved with the drama and music departments at Panola College, and he became so renowned for his knowledge of Broadway musicals 
that he was asked to conduct the drama department's performances of Showboat and Guys and Dolls. He sang with the Shreveport Chamber Singers, a professional singing group just across the state line, and he served on the Chamber of Commerce's Christmas Decorating Committee, giving advice about where the lights and wreaths should be placed around the town square. So, you know, Bernie was a big part of the town. Okay. <clears throat> There's they, a movie about this guy. Yeah. I told you you might have heard of this one Yeah, earlier. that's with yeah. Uh, Jack Black. Is, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I so knew it's going to get... <laughs> okay, I knew this was starting to sound like sort of familiar, but I was right. like, all right, maybe... Okay, I got you. It's called Bernie, right? Yeah, it's called okay. Bernie. That's right. why I was like, Bernhard <laughs> Tito right. the second, which is actually how he is in uh, Wikipedia. But All right. Yeah. He was um, especially empathetic with older ladies who had just lost their husbands. He'd led them weeping to a sofa in the parlor, handed them handkerchiefs, quoted comforting scripture, and stood close to them at the interment, always prepared to catch them in case they fainted as their husbands' caskets were lowered into the earth. In the weeks after the funeral, he would call the widows, offering to pick up their medicines at the drugstore. Some of them loved him so much that they told their children that Bernie had to sing at their funeral when they passed on. With that nice tenor voice of his, I just knew Bernie could sing me right into heaven, one Carthage widow <laughs> says. Is that how it works? Perfect. Sweet. Right. I'm going to make sure I get a good uh, uh, musical act for my funeral. Oh, uh, I didn't mean to go back there. Sorry. <clears throat> So let's see. I'm going to keep going. Carthage is full of well-to-do widows who have inherited small fortunes from, from their rich husbands. Again, big oil town. Some of them can be seen driving their huge Cadillacs up and down the town streets, occasionally bumping into trees or stop signs when their tiny feet miss the brake pedal. They are a spirited bunch, even if they are somewhat behind the time. Speaking to me on the phone, one widow said that a man who had just delivered lunch to her house knew Bernie. Chris, she said to him, why don't you tell this reporter what you know? Shall I introduce you as... Negro, black, or colored. So that's the kind of town we're dealing right, with here. Okay. Again, this... Uh, and this the, is all the way back in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> the events we're going to go on to talk about, I was going to say, will be in 1990. So uh, Wow. Very progressive area. Right. So, hey, they um, were pretty cool with the gay guy. They they were. Like, they all, I mean, quote, unquote, suspected it. But, uh, right. but yeah, and, um, you know, it may turn out they were also correct in that suspicion, but... You know, right. that's, that's further along in the okay. story. So, Bernie was not partial outright to the wealthier widows. One of the first women he took a special, special interest in. I've had trouble with some of them. Some specials. Troubles. Some Michigan specials. Special interest in what in was Gracie Duke, the widow of a mechanic. When she complained about an ache in her bones, Bernie felt so sorry for her that he took her to the hot spring to Hot Springs, Arkansas, so she could sit in the baths. But he would eventually give the most attention to the richest widow in Carthage, Mrs. Marjorie Nugent, who arrived at Hawthorne in March 1990 for the funeral of her husband, who was and who was worth between five million and ten million dollars. <clears throat> so, moving on to Marjorie here. You remember in the movie now more too. I'm remembering it as you're going, yes. It's been um, a long time since I've seen it. Yeah, Marjorie, uh, shoot, I can't remember who she's played by off the top of my head right now. But uh, anyway, Marjorie, um, give a little background on her. She was born just outside of Carthage in 1915. Her maiden name uh, was Midyet, so Marjorie Midyet was her name. She went to Louisiana Tech, and there she met her husband, Rod Nugent. He studied electrical engineering and would get a job with Magnolia Oil, which actually ended up becoming Mobile Oil. Shirley MacLaine played. Yeah, there you go, Shirley MacLaine. 
Okay. I did just watch uh, that movie the other night with my parents. It's very darn entertaining. We'll talk a little bit more about it in a little bit. But yeah, it's a wonderful movie. I forgot how good it was. We were talking about Jack Black recently. Yeah, it's wonderful. Did I say that again? I did do it again. (laughs) Anyway, they lived... (laughs) (laughs) So she married Rod Nugent. They lived throughout Louisiana, New Mexico, and Texas, but spent over a dozen years in Midland, Texas, and that's where uh, her one and only son, Rod Jr., was born. He won't come up much more in my telling of the story, but uh, they didn't have much of a relationship once he got old enough to, uh, I guess, go out on his own. So it was going to get into it, but she was one of the meanest people in town and one of the least liked in town. So Bernie getting with Marge was kind of this, like everybody was like, what the hell is going on here? But, um, anyway, they would move back to, um, Marjorie's hometown of Carthage. We talked about Carthage and, um, she's not liked by most of the town. This is from the article. Perhaps much of the gossip about Mrs. Nugent was exaggerated. She wasn't all that unfriendly, but she didn't go out of her way to be friendly when she can mean, which can mean a lot in a small town, says a teacher at the high school. Nevertheless, when Mr. Nugent died unexpectedly of a heart failure, only a handful of people came to the funeral funeral to offer her their condolences. Bernie Tita would later tell others that he could see the loneliness etched in Mrs. Nugent's stern face as she stood by the casket. When Mrs. Nugent started shivering, Bernie gave her his coat. At the funeral service held in the chapel, he sang a hymn. Then he helped Mrs. Nugent to her car for the trip to the cemetery. In the months after the funeral, the only person who took an active interest in Mrs. Nugent's well-being was Bernie Tita. Bernie would arrive at her estate for lunch, leave little notes of endearment for her around the house, and take her to see theatricals at the local college. One Carthage resident, resident said, Bernie made her smile. He gave her plenty of attention. He was an excellent conversationalist. He was, it was like he made her feel young again. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Mrs. Nugent was apparently willing to do what it took to keep him around. Soon after the funeral, she gave Bernie Mr. Nugent's Rolex watch, worth $12,000, a startling act of generosity from a woman known as the Town Grinch. In 1991, she ordered officials at First National Bank to accept checks, and I'm a little off on my timing, but 1991, around about when it happens. She ordered officials at the First National Bank to accept checks from from her account signed by Bernie so that he could handle some of her bills when... <clears throat> when Tiller, her stockbroker, asked if she was certain she could trust Bernie, Mrs. Nugent grew livid and threatened to move all her stocks out of Tiller's brokerage. So Marjorie and Bernie became very close. <laughs> they eventually would travel all over the world together. Like, there's pictures of them all over the world. She would pay for everything. Man, it's a good gig. Yeah, good gig, right? Um, Minnie began to wonder if she was trying to seduce him or if he was trying to seduce her. I think Margie truly enjoyed the companionship of Bernie, and I think Bernie truly enjoyed Margie's money, says a close relative of hers. For Bernie, who was making a reported annual salary of about 18000 at the funeral home, Mrs. Nugent's money must have been tempting. She was making between two hundred and 300000 a year in oil and gas royalty payments alone. Good grief. He was constantly behind in his American Express payments, and he owed the IRS $4,000 in back taxes. Bernie was a bioholic, says his sister. He not only wanted to experience the finer things in life, he loved buying as much as he could for others. He'd order the same items over and over, like three of the same chairs or boxes of cross pins, just so he could give them away. Bernie eventually began to work for Marge, uh, becoming her business manager and escorts on trips around the world. So he was getting paid eventually. That's pretty good. So she basically pay me to go Bernie. on trips. Okay, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I mean, you know, they were very happy with each other too. It's like they were best friends. I mean, 
Okay. You know, some, of course, the rumors were like, are they romantic? You know, right. That sort of thing. But uh, she was older than him. She was way older yeah. than him. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was uh, like when all of these things, he was in his 30s, basically, okay. at this time. So unbeknownst to anyone except Bernie, Marjorie had already made him the sole beneficiary beneficiary of her estate. Mrs. Nugent later told a cousin that she didn't want to leave a cent to her son or her immediate family because they didn't, quote, appreciate her. Wow. <clears throat> With the uh, money Mrs. Nugent advanced him, Bernie bought a two-bedroom home about a mile from the Nugent estate. He set out his collection of black and white plastic penguins in the front yard. He liked penguins, he told others, because they looked so well-dressed. Huh. He hung white curtains on the living room window and displayed his collection of more than 70 wristwatches in the hallway. He threw a Christmas open house, inviting members of the Chamber of Commerce, professors at the college, and other Carthage VIPs. One widow who was there took a look at the polished furniture and the porcelain penguins on the side tables and said, Bernie, you've created a dollhouse. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Covered with so, penguins. Yep. And so, you know, his uh, family, his sister, basically happy for him because he just felt like um, he was, uh, you know, the center of the world in Carthage. Like, everybody loved him, especially Marge. So, um, you know, the honeymoon soon <laughs> is over. I don't know how that, that's not a mm-hmm. saying. The honeymoon soon is over. That's a new saying. Yeah. They say, it up saying in Mis- now. they say it in Michigan. I think it's the, up in Michigan. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> Uh, honeymoon is over up in Michigan. Honeymoon soon. Honey, whatever. We already forgot. It won't be the title. Probably. Uh, eventually, Boon Booney. <laughs> oh, threw myself off. That's hilarious. Perfect. Hey, you're not going to edit that out. Eventually, Bernie grew weary of being Marjorie's servant, though he was being paid very well and was the beneficiary. I already read that. <laughs> Uh, but I, had, I hadn't read this. He had to have her pills laid out and ready for her every morning and be available to tend to her needs no matter what else he may be doing at the time. Right. So he's the assistant. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he had all this other crap going on, too. And so he would get annoyed because if he didn't take her calls or at least call her back immediately, she became panicky and angry. And, like, uh, she would yeah. yell about it. Like, right. she was very, like, vindictive. Mm-hmm. It was, like, not – it was a toxic well, relationship. She was known as the town Grinch before yeah. all this right, anyway. Right, exactly. So with him, she's also becoming one. Um, she had Bernie buy a twenty two rifle for shooting the armadillos in her yard and would sit on the front porch directing him on hunting them down and shooting them. Perhaps Bernie deser- decided he deserved extra pay for his service to Mrs. Nugent, or perhaps he thought he could do whatever he wanted with her money since he knew it would be coming to him anyway after her death. Or, as his sister suggests, suggests maybe Bernie genuinely believed in the good of giving. For whatever reason, Bernie became the town's Robin Hood. Unbeknownst to Mrs. Nugent, he started slipping money out of her hefty bank accounts and giving it to anyone he thought could use help. He, brought, he bought at least ten cars for people who couldn't afford one, telling them to pay him back when they could. He bought a home for a struggling young couple. He provided scholarships to students at Panola College. He pledged 100000 to a to building a new ca- ugh to the new building campaign at First United Methodist, and he led the fundraising drive for the Boy Scouts. When a woman who owned a local trophy shop told him that her business was failing, Bernie stepped in and bought it so the Carthage High School and youth sports teams could get their trophies for another year. Bernie was on a one-man campaign to improve culture in Carthage, giving away tickets to the college theater productions and paying for the expenses of choir concerts. When a man who once worked with him at the funeral home told him that he wanted to open a clothing store, Bernie agreed to fund it, saying that Carthage needed its own Neiman Marcus. The man's idea of what Carthage needed was a little different. He proudly opened Boot Scootin' Western Wear. (laughs) (laughs) 
<clears throat> cosplay. Right. In late 96, many began to realize that they never saw Marjorie and Bernie together anymore, and they began to ask Bernie if she was okay. Bernie said that she was not feeling well and had become bedridden. He would eventually claim to her stockbroker that she was in a nursing home outside of Carthage recovering from a stroke. So, like, despite all of this, the maid continued coming to the empty estate to clean the house, the yardman kept cutting the yard, and Bernie kept giving the money to everybody in town. (laughs) <clears throat> um, All right. Yeah, right. In July of 1997, the Carthage sheriff received an anonymous call from someone worried about Marjorie, and the police did go to her house to check on her. Um, because of more matters around, <clears throat> because of more pressing matters around town, though, sheriff's deputies didn't look into the matter for nearly a month. Bernie, whom they found in Las Vegas singing at a Panola college student's wedding, explained that Mrs. Nugent was staying in a hospital in Temple under an assumed name and did not wish to be contacted. But deputies couldn't find anyone at the hospital who matched her description. They called Mrs. Nugent's son in Amarillo, and he came to Carthage with his eldest daughter to search the house. When she told a deputy how odd it was that the deep freeze had been taped shut, he took a look inside. At the bottom, wrapped in a white sheet underneath some frozen food, was Mrs. Nugent. Knew that was coming. Oh. Yeah, he had shot her in the back with the rifle that she bought for shooting armadillos. Yeah. The sheriff's department had to take the whole freezer... Um, and keep it hooked to generators to keep it running because they had to take the freezer for evidence. <laughs> and so they oh, kept wow. it hooked up to generators to keep things going but because they couldn't leave it at the house. All right, um, that Texas heat. Right. So when they went to arrest uh, Bernie, well, because, well, they assumed it was him. Who else was going to be putting her <laughs> in the right. freezer? Bernie, he was found uh, at a Little League dinner, so they arrested him at the dinner. Um, he acted surprised, uh, didn't know what was going on, like why the, he would be uh, arrested. But um, upon interrogation, he finally admitted to shooting her with a rifle she made him use to kill armadillos. IRS, <clears throat> IRS agents arrived in Carthage to charge Bernie with money laundering. It's estimated that he took more than $1 million from Mrs. Nugent. And Sheriff, Sheriff Ellett set off another round of fireworks when he said that certain Carthage men were seen on the videotapes confiscated from Bernie's house. Soon there were rumors that everyone from elected city leaders to a DPS trooper to a sheriff's deputy was seen on the tapes, engaged in what the local newspaper, the Panola Watchman, described as misconduct. (laughs) Mm -hmm. One man showed up at a Carthage High School football game wearing a t-shirt that read, I'm the only one in Carthage not on the videotapes. (laughs) (laughs) Great. That's a great... Right. So the town just does not want to accept, though, that like Bernie is guilty of this. And most of them are like, well, even if he is guilty, I don't really care. Right. <laughs> you know, we, she was an old witch anyway. Like we all love Bernie. Right. Like, oh know, yeah. yeah. Like, Cause Bernie's well, I mean, who doesn't love a guy that'll just give you money. Right. And even before he was, I got an idea away. for a juggling store. <laughs> right. yeah, here's yeah, sure. Here you go. Sounds so, like yeah. a good one. Some of Bernie's friends hired famous East Texas criminal defense attorney, Clifton scrappy Holmes, to defend him. <laughs> Let's face it, Bernie's ox is in a ditch, Holmes said. He is reportedly trying to discuss a plea bargain for Bernie, which would be just fine with Danny Buck, that's the prosecutor, who's worried about finding an impartial jury in Panola County. A couple of people have said to me that Bernie deserves to fry for what he's done, but I know there are a lot more who just want the whole thing to go away. They keep asking me if there aren't some extenuating circumstances that would help his defense, and I think, good God almighty, do people really think Mrs. Nugent was so mean to him that he had to shoot her in the back in self-defense? So um, what ends up being Bernie's defense is that, you know, uh, he was under stress because of this um, 
story that came out that he was abused when he was a kid. Okay. And so this comes about in like Bernie's second trial because he does get like sentenced to life in prison for okay. murdering Marjorie. Whole town's pissed off about it. Um, his uh, the prosecutor wow. just can't understand like you know why he's like you know he did murder this woman he shot her in right. the back oh, yeah. like it wasn't premeditated or yeah, and, I mean, determined it wasn't premeditated like i mean you could say like it might be some self defense or something but yeah. in the back is like right yeah it's like you know he did it but everybody was like oh we don't really care i right. mean of course there were people that wanted him you know put in an electric chair or whatever but uh many oh, townspeople yeah. wonder if bernie suddenly snapped and had a psychotic breakdown they think he should plead temporary insanity danny buck assumes that mrs nugent finally discovered bernie was looting her bank account and that bernie panicked and shot her when she said she was going to expose that's him that's probably the most likely i mean if if it was ill intent that would be yeah. right i agree but bernie's sister says that when she phoned him at the jail he told her that there had been no particular problems that november day between him and mrs nugent they were about to go to longview to run errands and have lunch when suddenly bernie picked up the 22 rifle in the garage and started firing he dragged mrs nugent into the kitchen put her in the freezer and washed the blood off the garage floor with a garden hose he said i started thinking about having to live with her for the rest of her life and i just couldn't take it he said i realized i couldn't stand it another day in a very soft voice, Bernie said, I wanted to give Mrs. Nugent a proper burial. You know, everyone needs a proper burial. Hmm. So, yeah. So, why on earth did Bernie leave Mrs. Nugent in the freezer for nine months? Because, yeah, she was in the freezer for nine months before anybody yeah. found out about it. Sure. Well, checks keep coming. <laughs> right, yeah. <clears throat> Bernie was used to being around dead bodies and from his funeral home days, but Danny Buck admits that he probably never would have been able to file murder charges against Bernie if he had simply dumped her somewhere where she would never be found. I don't understand why Bernie didn't put her in one of his little airplanes because she had paid for his pilot's license. He bought some airplanes <laughs> All right. and fly over the Gulf of Mexico and kick her out one of the town's widows told me matter-of-factly according to bernie's sister bernie said that he couldn't be so cruel as to abandon mrs nugent you couldn't be so cruel the astonished sister asked bernie what were you gonna do in a very soft verse voice verse voice bernie said i wanted to give mrs nugent a proper burial you know everyone needs a proper burial so wow yeah um the movie <clears throat> Ooh, excuse me um, the movie was uh, by Richard Linkletter, which I didn't realize. He uh, did um, Dazed and Confused. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to... School of Rock <clears throat> was another one, Jack Black. So he liked using some Jack Black, a scanner darkly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, boyhood, did you ever see Boyhood? No, I don't think that so. That one's pretty interesting. That Boyhood, uh, he filmed that movie, I think, for over 12 or 15 years of the same boy kind of growing up. In the story, in the movie, Ethan Hawke plays his dad, but he films Ethan Hawke through the years, too, so they both kind of grow older together. Huh. <laughs> it's kind of interesting, and he, you know, turns it into a movie. But yeah, he did that one, too. I didn't realize all the different ones. I guess I just, for some reason, wasn't up on Richard Linklater, although I knew who he was. Before Sunrise is one of his most popular ones, too, back in 1995. Uh. Yeah, not a fan. But, but School of Rock, definitely kick-ass. And oh, yeah. uh, the movie, Bernie, by far, um, it, it, 
by far. I don't know by far what. It's <laughs> it's a wonderful movie. It's wonderful. <laughs> I got something to but, tell uh, you about that. Like we were talking about Jack Black though. He's just so entertaining. Like watching that movie and uh has Matthew McConaughey as Danny Buck, the prosecutor, and he's uh excellent. Shirley MacLaine is excellent. Like everybody in that movie mm-hmm. as well. Matthew cast. McConaughey's from uh Days and Confused. Yeah. So yeah. I guess he just so likes to bring people. He likes along. to use a lot of the, the same guys. Um, cool. And um I forgot what I was gonna say about that. Oh yeah, in the movie they have a lot of the actual locals from the town. Like it, the movie is kind of a mockumentary at times, although there's a lot of like fictional story going on too. But like they have interviews with townspeople talking about Marge and uh, and Bernie, and it's pretty hilarious huh. actually because some of them are just hilarious to listen to. And it's um streaming free on all sorts of services. So check okay. it out, Bernie. Yeah, Bernie. Bernie. Jack Black. What was his last name again? Tida. T i e d e. All right. Yeah, Bernie right. Tita, and he's in he's in prison for the rest of his life, system. basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a bunch that I left out because I was kind of running he's a little still alive, than yeah. I meant to. Yeah, he's still alive. I think he'll be up for um, parole in <clears throat> twenty thirty two or something like that. That'd be, be what, like in his late eighties or something by then. Yeah, I think they said he might be sixty nine at that time. So he was born in fifty eight. Oh right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, wrong. 69 was something else but yeah i'm not looking was. at anything i'm looking at you <laughs> talking <was>. so. <laughs> good observation 69 was a different thing it's the last numbers and all of my passwords all right, the name i'm gonna do this week is captain obvious I'm <laughs> for real no oh <laughs> what's funny is <clears throat> i'm not gonna tell you what i was thinking about doing but if, what i think what i was thinking about doing would have been an overlap for that which would have been really creepy so oh all right I didn't go with that one, so, you know, shame on me, I guess. If I had, like, four or five of these ready to go at once, and I could have done it. Doing another weird one? No. Well, I mean, kind of. So I'm doing floods. Oh. But not floods with water. Okay. I was going to call it food floods, but there's really no food in this, so. Just... So you couldn't call it food <laughs> no, floods? No, I kind of had to change it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh Lord, you know, like that's great. Food floods went plus. Is, is that the story? <laughs> the end. The end. The end. There you go. And have a good night. We'll see you I guys am next time. Entertain. Um, no, this is just floods that aren't with water. All right. Okay. And they're going to go in chronological order. I'm just going to give you like an overview of them. I mean, I'm not going into like super amount of details. Okay. Some of them. One of them I told you is like really, really short. It's like seven sentences long. Like there wasn't much about it and that was the most recent one but we'll go all the way back to london in 1814 for the first okay this was october 17th this is the london beer flood (laughs) okay um this this takes place at the m-e-u-x is the name of the brewery i don't know if it'd be mew mew it's in england (laughs) it's in england so yeah. Mew. I don't know. Mew. Yeah, we'll go with Mew. Mew Brewery. And that was one of the two largest in London at the time. Um, this guy named George Crick uh, was nice. the storehouse clerk. You always got the, the guys with the good names. Yeah. That's, I look up good names. <laughs> it is intername here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, this guy, George, was a storehouse clerk, and he uh, noticed that one of the 700 pound iron bands around one of the vats had slipped out of place. Um, each of these vats held about 3,555 imperial barrels of porter, 
which is each barrel is about 43 gallons. Oh, so three thirty five hundred barrels wow. of por- of porter is a ten month old porter. <laughs> um, the bands these bands would slip off of the vats average two or three times a year, so it wasn't like that big of a deal, right? Right. Um, Crick tells the supervisor. But his supervisor said, quote, no harm whatsoever would ensue, end quote. <laughs> don't ever say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't say yeah. those words. Um, no, because <laughs> yeah, that means harm would ensue. Yeah, you're going to put this one in the fairway, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Hole in one, nope, in the water. Um, so George was told to write a note about, about the issue and give it to one of the partners of the brewery to have it fixed. Um, so about an hour later, uh, Crick was standing on a platform holding the note. So he hadn't even got to deliver the note yet. (laughs) And the vat burst. Uh, and the force was so strong that it blew a valve from an adjacent vat off as well. And these vats began to pour out these thousands and thousands of gallons of beer. They estimate between... Two, between 128,000 and 323,000 imperial gallons was released during the event. Wow. Uh, an imperial wow. gallon is about 1.2 U.S. gallons. Um, the force of this explosion was so strong it destroyed the back wall of the brewery, which was 25 feet high and two and a half bri- bricks thick. Oh, man. And it was so powerful that some of the bricks were even thrown onto ro- the roofs of nearby houses. That's okay, an so, explosion. Yes. A wave of porter roughly 15 feet high (laughs) at its highest point washed into the area. Destroyed two homes and badly damaged two others. Um, The wave pushed people out into the streets. Um, Like a couple people in one house were pushed out. Wow. Um, A second second house in the area, a wake was being held for a child that had died. And it was in the cellar of the house, and four people that were at that wake were killed by this flood, right? Um, another person was killed when they were crushed by the wall of the brewery. Oh, man. When it wow. fell over. Right. Uh, a bar bartender or barkeep's assistant or, you know, servant yeah. was around there, and it crushed her. Um, the total death toll of this was eight people, including like, two or three of them were children. Wow. Um, the Porter flood. Yeah. The surrounding area, the surrounding area was low lying and flat and which that allowed beer to fill up the cellars of the houses around. And many people lived in the cellars of these houses, like there are multiple families living in houses, right? Right. And a lot of those people had to climb up on top of things to avoid drowning. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of beer. Um, in the days after this flood, the stories came out about people collecting beer, uh, mass drunk drunkenness and people dying from alcohol poisoning, Hmm. poisoning. Uh, although newspapers at the time made no reference to party shit going on. So party shit, yeah, party shit. Um, the area surrounding the brewery was a quote scene of desolation that presents a most awful and terrific appearance equal to the, which fire or earthquake may be supposed to occasion. That's end hmm. quote. Um, the in a verdict later on when they were trying to determine, you know, who's responsible or whatever, it was found to be an act of God, which hmm. wouldn't be true. Right. Um, the brewery didn't have to pay anything. 
Um, but the the entire event with all the damage and everything cost the brewery about two point three million pounds in today's Ooh, money. Gosh. Um, so that's the London beer flood. Wow. All right, now this is kind of a couple of these have fire in the name because the fire led to a flood. Okay. So this one's the Dublin Whiskey Fire. Okay. Um, this is. Do all of these involve alcohol? No. (laughs) Um, no, one of them is actually could be pretty nice. Okay. Uh, A flood of. Well, I guess I mean Dublin Whiskey Fire might not be too bad if you take the fire part out. Uh, June 18th, 1875, and this was in the Liberties area of Dublin. Um, Dublin, Ireland. Dublin, Ireland, right. Not the town near us. (laughs) We would have heard about this. Yeah, we would have heard about this, I think. Um, It was believed, they don't really know, obviously, 1875, so. They didn't know anything back then. Right. No. (laughs) Especially the Irish, right? Um, But it was believed to have started in a guy named Lawrence Malone bonded storehouse where he kept uh where he stored five thousand hogsheads worth of whiskey uh that's about three hundred fifteen thousand u.s gallons of whiskey boy oh boy um it's unknown what started the fire uh but the alarm was raised at 8 30 now somebody came around at 4 30 and checked on the building everything was fine somewhere in there the fire started right who knows? I mean, back then, it was, you know, right? people throwing fire and you know, whatever. <laughs> people witch. eating here's a, fire. Here's a witch. Yeah. Burn her. Fire walks. Um, an hour later, so after the fire, was, the alarm was raised at 830, an hour later, the barrels began to explode from the heat, <laughs> um, and the whiskey began flowing from the burning building. Wow. Uh, the wave of whiskey went down the streets, demolishing houses. And 315,000 gallons of whiskey, Jeez. right? Uh, people nearby heard the sounds of pigs squealing after the nearby livestock pens caught on fire. And this is thought to be the reason that people evacuated so quickly. <laughs> and none of the fatalities were from smoke inhalation, burns, or any other fire-related reasons. Wow. Okay, so... They were all whiskey flood reasons. <laughs> well, the response was so good... From the people, the Lord Mayor of Dublin said, quote, The time given for escape in some places during the progress of the fire was so short, I was apprehensive that some people should be left in danger in the garrets and cellars of the district. <laughs> but on inquiry, I was happy to learn that no life was lost during the great conflagration. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. It's all right. It looks it's like right. conflag- of- conflagration. That is how it's spelled. Uh, end quote. Right <laughs> before that, the, conf- the conf- what was that word again? Sorry, conflagration. All right, thank you. Fire. Um, <laughs> if I'd known that, I would have just put fire. And, you know, Essentially, that's what challenge people to get me on the exact You're quote. Right. right? Yeah, you got to get poetic. And shit. Um, so during the evacuations, however, people gathered in and around the, about the six-inch uh, deep river of whiskey in the area gosh and they they filled caps porringers and other vessels <laughs> with with burning whiskey uh 24 people were hospitalized during this time and 13 people died 
from what was attributed to alcohol poisoning <laughs> because the whiskey was so was undiluted and much more potent than the whiskey that sold in retail. Oh. It hadn't been cut down and, you know, blended and everything. Right. right. Uh, there was estimated about 6 million pounds of damage just in whiskey. Can you imagine? 6 million pounds being British money. The smell. Yeah. So that's the second one. The third one, this one's a little bit... Yeah, this one's not alcohol. The great vodka of, flood. Of, well, no, this is the great molasses flood. <laughs> oh, nice. Technically not alcohol, but uh, this happened in the north end of Boston, oh. January 15th, 1919. Now, that day okay. is a pretty important day. You'll find out in a second why. Besides this. All right. Uh, it was at the Purity Distilling Company um, where they kept a large amount of molasses and uh, that's where they kept it after being offloaded from ships before being transferred to be used in produce in the production of ethanol. Okay. So they'd heat it and then turn it into ethanol. So technically it was going to become alcohol. Right, right, but right, right. Later on. Uh this tank that they kept this in was about fifty feet tall and ninety feet around and contained as much as two point three million gallons wow. of molasses. Molasses. Uh, one of the factors that led to the tank falling, failing was that the temperature that day had climbed rapidly from the previous days, and a delivery that was the day before added fresh molasses. And when they shipped the molasses, they would heat it to make it easier to transfer so it wasn't so viscous, right? Right. Um, but using that, with the temperatures rising outside and then adding the uh, warmer molasses to the colder liquid already in the tank uh that caused thermal expansion which caused the tank to burst at 12:30 p.m. Got a lot of these bursting tanks going yeah. on here. Uh other causes that have been brought up is that the tank leaked from the beginning, it was poorly constructed and tested and the fact that it had only been filled to capacity 8 times previously. So mm. that could have been, you know, could problem have been part of it. The next day after this was the beginning of prohibition. So there, there's been speculation that they could have been like overworking the system to try to race to beat prohibition. And they knew uh, it was coming. Right. right? So, so the next day was pro- prohibition. Yeah. When this tank exploded, witnesses felt the ground shake and heard a roar. Others heard deep growling and a thunderclap t- type bang. And wow. the rivets being shot from the tank, according to some witnesses, sounded like a machine gun. <laughs> um, the wave that came out was 25 feet high at its peak and moved at 35 miles an hour. Holy crap. Um, Streetcars were tipped. Vehicles moved. Some were even pushed into the waters. Some buildings were knocked down, from, knocked from their foundations, and others were completely demolished. Uh, several blocks were flooded with two to three feet of molasses. Wow. Um, that's crazy. Lots of fucking molasses. Uh, many of the rescuers that came struggled to move through the molasses cause it was starting to, it was still cool outside. So it was starting to get cool down even more right. outside. So it was getting thicker and thicker. Yeah. Uh, they searched for four days and they had so many injured that makeshift hospitals had to be built in the area. Um, a lot of the people that died during this, had been so covered by molasses that it was almost impossible to identify them. And some people were swept into the Boston Harbor and weren't found for three to four months. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Not alive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not like you're, you're swimming around out not there. Not like for your three dude months. that's out there like living in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody can do um, that. In total, 21 people were killed and 150 people were injured during this. Oh. Um, positive, sort of. 119 residents brought a class action lawsuit against the U.S. Industrial Alcohol Company, which was one of the first uh, class action lawsuits in Massachusetts, and considered it's also considered a milestone for modern corporate regulation. <laughs> the company eventually had to pay out, uh, and it was roughly about 9.8 million dollars. Oh man! Sorry, pounds. Nope, dollars. Is this one? Sorry, I'm wrong. <laughs> wrong one. Um, but it was about seven thousand dollars per person that was killed was given to the families. It was oh. about one hundred nine thousand dollars in today's money. So um, the cleanup for this lasted weeks, and they had to use fireboats and sand. They dump sand on it to absorb it. You know, like right. Dry it out, you know. Fireboats are the big yeah, what a mess. water cannons and stuff. Yeah, uh, it took longer to clean from the rest of the city than it did from the area where it happened because rescue workers, cleanup crews, and looky loos had tracked molasses basically everywhere in the city. Yeah, they said everywhere that people touched was sticky for a long time. I mean, floors and oh. chairs and knobs and There's everything. There's got to be some other stories out there about sticky days in Boston. <laughs> Probably. I mean, uh, the sticky days. It was reported that, quote, everything a Bostonian touched was sticky, end quote. Um, huh. Local legend said that even today, when it gets really hot up there, that you can still smell the molasses in some parts of the city. So that was the molasses flood wow. in Boston. Yeah, I mean, I guess it could have gotten burned into stuff, you know. <laughs> like if the sun just hits something for several hours, perhaps you do Maybe. get some of that. I mean, it's been about, it's been a little over a hundred years, yeah, but I mean, I mean I'm you know, sure stranger things have happened. Stuff seeps down into yeah, I mean, I mean, just because you clean it off the ground, you know, right? Um, or all the places you didn't clean it off, right? Of, you know, yeah. Well, everybody was just spreading it around everywhere, so that one was definitely one of the worst ones that I'm. I mean, according to numbers, right? Yeah, you know, 21 people killed. It's not a competition, Zach. Definitely not. Yeah, 21 <laughs> people were killed during that one. So, oh wow. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a pretty intense explosion, the way the rivets yeah. sounded like and a machine gun. I think that a lot of people probably got stuck and probably drowned yeah. or suffocated. Like, the stuff would crush, it was crushing them. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's worse ways to go, but yeah, molasses drowning, it's not <laughs> I mean, up there, I don't think. It's definitely a way to go. Yeah. Don't, if you live near a molasses factory, then be careful. Then don't. Right, move. <laughs> um, it's dangerous. The next one is the Rockwood Rockwood and Company Shipping Department fire. Oh. Um, and this happened May 12th, 1919 in Brooklyn. New York, America. <laughs> Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, that um, New York, that Brooklyn. This is about 1 o'clock in the morning. The Shipping Department of Rockwood and Company Chocolate Factory located... The shipping department was located on the second floor. Uh, around 1 o'clock, it was thought the materials up there that w included cocoa beans and chocolate bars um, spontaneously mm. combusted. Oh. 
Um, they kept a lot of that stuff on the third floor. The fire started on the second floor. Spontaneous combustion. Um, it's a lot of blame these days. This was, you know, 100 years ago. <laughs> 1919. Uh, the fire department was on site within minutes, but the fire had already spread to the third floor. Um, the water they used to quell the fire mixed with the liquefying chocolate that spread to the streets. Okay, so they're spraying the water, but all this melting chocolate is getting mixed with the water, and it's starting to pour out, right. pour out, pour out. Uh, the sugar and butter separated from the mixture and blocked the storm drains in the area, which caused wow. everything to start flooding. Right? Flood of chocolate. Yeah, right. Uh, it was said it was enough to float a rowboat for two blocks. <laughs> so, I mean, not, you know, obviously not... It's not you know, super a wall deep, of it, but, yeah, but that's flooding, chocolate. flooding. That's a, nonetheless right. Uh, as it cooled, things began to become slippery, which became more difficult for firefighters. And that's, this made them decide to focus the efforts into saving the surrounding buildings instead of the the right. factory. Um, by 11 a.m., the so 10 hours, uh, the fire was extinguished. And the flood had attracted, quote, a thousand and one local children who were eating the mixture off the streets. Right. A thousand and one. Yeah. Um, initially, the police didn't do anything to stop them, but after an hour or so, they began getting kids together and taking them to their schools. I mean, this is already like noon, and they're well, I guess kids got to go to school. Yeah, still got to go to school. Still got to get rid of you today. Yeah, they had truant officers taking, like, <laughs> grabbing kids up and taking them to school. Right, you know? truant officers. Um, the main part of the plant was not affected, but the shipping department was completely destroyed. Um, mm. Damages were estimated to be about $1.5 million in today's money. Uh, and as far as I could find, no fatalities or injuries. Yeah, well, that's good. Probably some upset stomachs. Yeah, eating eating road dirty chocolate, chocolate. Road, road chocolate, chocolate. That dirty old road chocolate. Okay, and this is the last one. This was the most recent one, and this is the Pepsi fruit juice flood. Oh, uh, this happened in 2017. Sticky mess is what it is. All of these are probably sticky messes. Right? <laughs> it doesn't right. flood, you know, solids. Oh. You know? It's not like the styrofoam peanut flood of you know bangor maine <laughs> is that a thing <laughs> no oh. i wish I, i've already told you about it man you always do that um april 25th 2017. you tease and you tease <laughs> april 25th 2017 <laughs> in lebedian russia lebedian i love it when uh, you speak other languages uh the roof of a pepsico warehouse in this area is that pepsico pepsico <laughs> Which is the, I guess that's I'm the international. I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, it unexpectedly collapsed. And this oh. was the center of Pepsi's operations in the entire country of Russia. Oh, wow. Uh, right. The warehouse contained a variety of fruit and vegetable juices. Uh, about 7.4 million gallons of juice. Holy crap. Was sent into the streets of uh, this town and also into the local river, which is called the Don. Which is a great name for the river. <laughs> it really is. Uh, they did uh, some ecosystem tests. They were worried about like all oh, how that would affect being in the waterways and stuff, but it didn't really so show much problems. Yeah. Um, no deaths were reported, and there were two minor injuries resulting from the flood. Jeez, uh, that sounds like a lot of fruit juice after these other stories we're hearing. Yeah, well, uh, I mean... But not compared to some of them. Yeah, I, I guess mean, that's a good point. It's still 7.4 million gallons. 
Plus, I mean, this was 2017, so uh, infrastructure's infinitely yeah, better yeah, no matter yeah, where you are right, than it right, was right. 100 years ago. Yeah, right? You don't have people living right under the damn thing, probably. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, probably an, uh, more of an industrial section of town right. than it is, like, they used to just put a brewery, like, in your neighborhood, whatever. It didn't right, matter. yeah. Um, after this, PepsiCo apologized and offered to pay for all damages, but I couldn't find any... Any sort of, like, they paid anything or they did anything to fix the problem. I mean, obviously, they probably rebuilt the building, but... Um, Excuse me. There is uh, there is video of the... Um, of this flood, yeah. but it's really pretty anticlimactic. It's not really... <laughs> it's not... It's not as... It's, it's not, not what you want it to be. No, it's just a lot of fruit juice on the road. I mean, yeah. it's just flowing God, on the street. what a sticky mess that must but, be. Yeah. In the... The insect life that would oh, come after uh, such a thing. Yeah, yeah, it gets all up in, like, especially if it gets on your shoes and stuff. Ugh, yeah. God. So yeah, that's my uh, non-food floods. Yeah. So your name was floods, y'all. Yeah, floods, not the food floods. Not the food. Floods. Yeah, I was hoping that there would have been a food one, but I couldn't find any. Well, of... I mean, the molasses is getting close. I mean, it's all yeah. edible, actually. Everything you talked about. Yeah. Well, I mean, the problem with the whiskey is that it was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. So, a couple of years ago, there was a at the one of the Jim Beam plants. There was a fire, and it ended up being like it was burning whiskey or something. It turned into like a fire tornado or something in this, oh. this like retaining pond that they would use to dump stuff when they were done with it. Well, it basically turned into this big whirlwind that was a fire tornado. Wow, it was crazy. It was burning all sorts of stuff. I guess because there was so much to burn. Like yeah. It just, yeah. Ugh. So, yeah, Imagine. that's fun times, you know. Be Don't careful play with there. fire, kids. Yeah. Make sure you damn it up. <laughs> Don't flood anything. Damn it up. Yeah. Hot damn. Hot diggity dog. So, yeah, that's uh We've Come that's to the end story. of another one. I guess we have. Yeah. They always seem to fly by for us. They might drag on for you. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, or you're not. We're just talking to each other. Well, I mean, that's actually what we're doing yeah, right we now. Sometimes see a drop off, but whatever. Um, that's your business, not ours. Just keep on telling yeah, your friends. Just keep on listening. We're still growing. We're still getting more and more yeah. subscribers. Thanks. More and more listeners. You guys are obviously telling other people yep. or something's happening. Yep. So, um, it's great. If you can get by, play us in your office. If you can get by with it, play us in your. Wherever you can. Yeah. Tell everybody about us. There might even be one playing in a Starbucks somewhere. It might be. Um, yeah, so if you want to get in touch with us and let us know what you want to hear about, we might look at it, into it. Yeah. I mean, it might not be as good as some or floods we might and not. some Jack Black characters. Don't be offended if we don't. No. Just head us we'll, up. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, Jack, uh, more Jack Black characters. Yeah, we're just going to do Jack Black I, I mean, we characters. could do that for a while. I love his character in High Fidelity as well. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah. If you want to get in touch with us, it's Intername Here Podcast at Gmail dot com. Intername Here on Facebook. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And Intername Here Podcast on Instagram. Follow us and subscribe to you know everything and and yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, go on organdonor dot gov. Yeah. Give up your organs. Get rid of that stuff. You don't need it. You don't we, want we it. Guarantee you. Ugh. And you, if you do need it, or if you want to, we can maybe arrange for a. A janitor to help 
remove it with a German doctor. You never know. <laughs> right. Hey, come and hold this. Yeah, yeah. We got you. We got, we'll <laughs> Just put your hand on his knee. If and you here. really need to, you can come email us. We'll give you the address. You can come right. here, and we will remove your organs for you. Yeah. How about that? Hand me that wrench over there. So, yeah, uh, thanks for checking us out, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye.